Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2015. We start by celebrating the year for consecrated life with a featured conversation with Jamaican father Richard Holung of the Missionaries of the Poor. In our second half hour, author Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle tells us about her life and about discovering the beauty of the cross. And we meet singer-songwriter Michael Marion. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook and Twitter. We begin now with Father Richard Holung. Pope Francis declared this year to be the year for consecrated life. So throughout the year, we've been doing various interviews featuring people who are living consecrated lives. Today, an excerpt of a conversation I had with Father Richard Holung of the Missionaries of the Poor. When you were baptized, was that a, a, a personal choice or was your, were your parents also supportive of your coming into the church? They were supportive. Yes. They saw in the sisters mm-hmm. uh, something that was extraordinarily tender-hearted again. There were women who were interpersonal with the students Mm -hmm. and uh, told of values that were very, very much like Chinese values. Family life, uh, simplicity, love of nature, respect for everyone, and so forth. We're drawn to that. Yeah. So you went to the Jesuit high school. Yes. How old were you when you went there? I was 12. And you finished your high school there. Yes. Quite. Yes. Not, well, how old were you when you graduated? 17. And is that, at that point, did you decide to continue your studies with the Jesuits? or? Um, I felt uh, drawn to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I remember there was this wonderful man who came to Jamaica, uh, Cardinal Cushing okay. from Boston. Uh-huh. And his grandfatherliness and his uh, sense of humor were so attractive that I felt as though I wanted to serve God. Right. And then the Jesuits live community life in a a very beautiful way. They supported each other. There were men uh, dressed in habits. I loved that. Uh, They were very brotherly and kind Mm. and so forth. So that even though we could hardly pay for the school fees, um, they just let it by. And uh, I continued. And by the time I finished high school, I, I wanted nothing else but to serve the Lord. Really? And, you, and to serve the Lord with the Jesuits? With the Jesuits. those might not necessarily be the same thing. Right. Um, you never went through a period of, of doubt or, or insecurity or... or no. Or no through, through, my, That's through my high school, yeah. I was very, very clear about it. Uh-huh. There was one day when uh, a statue was brought to, to the football field in, in, at St. George's College. Yeah. And I remember all the kids were out, out on this field and we were uh, following the statue uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and we said the rosary together and we went out in the streets and we came back and I saw brilliant light in the sky uh, as though the Lord was shining uh, down upon us and showering abundant graces. And I said, you know, there's nothing else I want in the world but to serve the Lord. 
Amazing. And it clinched it when I was, oh, I might, might have been 14 years wow. at that time. Wow. So then you finished high school, and then did you join the Jesuits immediately after? I worked for two years. Okay. I worked at the airlines. Yeah. Yes. And then you joined the Jesuits. Yes. yes. And how long were you with the Jesuits before Missionaries of the Poor? Uh, from 17 to 41. Oh, okay, so a long, long <laughs> 24 time. years. A full career. Yes, yes. A full career. Yes. And as a Jesuit, did you, were you in Jamaica? Yes. Okay. Uh, I studied in Boston because uh, Jamaica is a mission okay. of, of Boston. Yes. Ah, okay. And uh, so I did my novitiate there, philosophy, yes. and then also my theologate. But I had two years of regency, which is your teaching period uh -huh. in Jamaica. All right. And uh, it clinched things for me. Mm -hmm. It was very, very, very clear to me. There's nothing else I wanted but the Lord. Mm. But at that time, there began to be some upheaval even within the Jesuits. Yes. You could see changes taking place like mm -hmm. uh, derobing, right. uh, lack, lack of commitment to community, mm -hmm. secularism, individualism. Uh, I had a very beautiful uh, studies program and an excellent early formation in the Jesuits. Mm -hmm. But there was erosion beginning to happen. Right. This was around the 70s, early 70s? Yes. 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 So at the same time that you were noticing these changes or that these changes were happening, um, you were also noticing that there was a uh, a poor church that needed tending to? Ah, yes. First of all, it was really the loss of identity that was happening within the Jesuits. Okay. And then uh, I began to become more and more committed to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And in the Word of God, I found the person of Christ. He actually visibly came out uh, at me. So it was no longer an intellectual exercise. Right to have gone to, but to teach at Boston College, to mm -hmm. go to graduate school and to get degrees. That seemed irrelevant at that particular time. Right. And then I began to notice people on the streets who were very, very poor mm -hmm. and forgotten. And then correlated with what you saw in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I began to say, but uh, teaching about poverty and teaching about justice is a whole lot different from living, living the life yeah. of poverty and uh, serving out in reality yes. justice reasons uh, that, that Christ put forward in the Beatitudes. Let me ask you about that because Pope Francis talks very similar to what you're saying in terms of his experience around the same time, 1970s. Yes. Can we not be a church that helps the poor without actually being with the poor? No. Why not? It can't be because then you end up being the donors mm -hmm. or the masters. No, I, I'm not, certainly I'm not against charity. Yes. But we as a church should be a church of the poor. Mm -hmm. You see, there is a, I think there's a struggle within the church. Uh, and the, uh, there, I had to make the distinction myself. Are you going to be a part of the church of Christ? or are you going to be part of the church of the world? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I can't, although I had all that the Jesuits had to offer. Right. I had to be authentically, as a Christian, yes. and much, uh, much more so as a priest, I had to be Christ, mm -hmm. you know? And the identity between Christ 
and a priest as well as uh, Christ and any Christian yes. has got to be, you are like him. And the extent of your love and your service depends very much on how far you want to travel with mm -hmm. him and how deeply and how completely. And I had no, I had no, no, no option. Yes. Either or. Yes. I realized there's no half measures. Uh -huh. Either I was going to be poor, with the poor, committed to the poor, mm -hmm. and living out the word of God. Either that, or I was going to talk about it. Yes. Which is pure compromise. Yes. You know? You're listening to a conversation I had with Father Richard Holung of the Missionaries of the Poor. Here is a song that many of you may have heard. Father Richard Holung, the Missionaries of the Poor, and friends with the Our Father from the Caribbean Mass. Here now is the second half of my conversation with Father Holung. So you went from being four brothers, brothers of the poor, to being missionaries of the poor and being recognized as missionaries of the poor. 
and now more than 30 years later you've received pontifical status? Recognition, Is that what yes. it's called? Recognition. Right. Tell me about that. Uh, there are now 550 brothers and priests. Uh -huh. And then we began the sisters just three years ago. Yes. We have 25 sisters uh -huh. and it, it's growing. And uh, it really was wonderful when we received that pontifical uh, mm -hmm. status. Yes. It was done uh, in the time of Pope Francis, who is also Jesuit. Yes. Tremendous uh, boost for us. Yeah. Because now we understand that the, the church at, at the highest level has said, go forth, spread the spirituality of service with the poor all over the mm -hmm. world. Let it be, because you, you're no longer just yourselves, yeah. but you now belong to the church. Yes. You know? So go on, go on, spread it everywhere, anywhere. So we're opening a, a home in East Timor. In August, right. Brother Gusto announced that, our new general. Yes. And uh, so we're going to be there. Mm -hmm. We were requested to be there because there's a community of lepers mm -hmm. who have no one to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And the bishop there asked if we could take that on. Okay. Now you mentioned Brother Augusto. He's the new superior general, yes. which means that you've retired as so superior general. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so to speak. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. But I, 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 I still, I, I try not to uh, obtrude. But as founder, as founder, you see, you, you, you have the whole vision in your mind, mm -hmm. and I'm still alive and I'm fairly strong. So yes, yes. <laughs> so I try to try to do as much as I can yes. to assist. Now, Father, the first time I heard about the missionary of the poor. I, it was, had nothing to do with the poor. It had to do with the music uh, and the shows. Yes. Tell me how that began and how that fits into the ministry to the poor. The music, I, I can't play any instruments. I can't read music. Okay. But I, I found that over the years, uh, just so much music has happened inside my mind. Uh -huh. and, and even sometimes when I was driving a little Morris Minor, songs would come in my mind and I had to stop because I was becoming so distracted. Right. And then a lot of times at night I simply cannot sleep because all this music was happening in inside head. of me. And unless I got the music out, I, I couldn't sleep. Uh -huh. So I said, okay, I'll be obedient. <laughs> and so I began recording them on a little tape recorder. And uh, <laughs> then I had other people listening to the music and then the little kids who were not so interested in mass <laughs> began to hear this music that was very Jamaican, yeah. whether it be reggae or it would be mentor yeah. or revival type of music. Yeah. And they just lighted up a church. So I said, all right, maybe that's a sign. And so I wrote, I wrote. And then uh, after doing uh, songs for worship, we advanced to doing concerts uh -huh. and again those were really very successful and then from there I began to write larger themes because yeah, like my background musical. is in literature okay. so I began to write larger themes I began to construct stories out of uh, Isaiah the prophet Isaiah and Jesus Moses 2000. Jesus 2000 Messiah now Messiah. which is the latest one uh, David King David, David. Yeah, so these King are big David. theatrical big, productions right 50,000 come every time we put it on in Jamaica. And do you have a, a group of actors, singers, or are these some of the people that you work with, that you do ministry with, that participate? 
do you do it for fundraising mainly? What is? We do it really for proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. If, if that doesn't succeed, any amount of money is nothing to me. It has got to generate the person of Christ and a spirituality that I think we Christians need to see and understand the incredible power of, of a King David or a Isaiah or Jesus or, or Moses. Jesus. Yes. They need to see the reality of it, mm -hmm. which is my first intention as mm -hmm. a writer. Mm -hmm. I bring people to Christ and first seek the kingdom and other things and will follow. Will follow the right, place. yeah, people give once they see what you're trying to do. Yeah. It's become, it's been 44 years of doing music. That's amazing. And they, they, they're all volunteers, they, uh, the singers and so forth. Mm -hmm. But incredible talent have come yeah. away. The best of talent you could imagine. Yeah. Famous people who, yes. who, are, who are singers in reggae and so forth and known commercially. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have one last question because we, we've, we've been talking about your life, your vocation, you're a missionary, you're a musician. You're, you're doing all these great work yes. because you're religious. Yes. So what does it mean to you to, to be consecrated, to be living the consecrated life and in the context of what we're celebrating this year, the year for consecrated life? To be consecrated life means I'm married to God okay. and that's it. That's final and I'm glad that's he's committed sure to me yes. and I'm glad to be committed to the Lord and I want nothing else. I, I, it, it is, as you think of the consecration mm -hmm. of bread and wine, that's how deeply I consider it, you know. This is now the body and blood of Christ. And the consecrated life to me means that I am Christ. Mm -hmm. I, I must live like him and be like him and be faithful to him. Uh, and all I want to do is to be united with him in thought and word and deed, everything that I do. That was an excerpt of a conversation I had with Father Richard Holong of the Missionaries of the Poor earlier this year. You can find out more about them and their music and how to help them at missionariesofthepoor.org. Here now are the Missionaries of the Poor and friends with Father Richard Holong's When I Look at the Heavens from his album Working for the Lord. the moon and stars I shout your name I praise your name oh God when I look at the oceans the beasts of the sea I shout your name I praise your name oh Lord my God you made humanity a little less than your divinity oh Lord my God we marvel you are great with your glory and your love. When I look at the flowers, the rain and streams, I shout your name. I, shout your name. I praise your name, O oh God. When I look at the sunshine, I see your light. I shout your name. I, shout your name. I praise your name. Oh Lord, my God, you made humanity. Shout your name, I praise your name. Oh Lord, my God, you made. 
Missionaries of the Poor and Friends with Father Richard Holung's When I Look at the Heavens from their album Working for the Lord. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, many of you may know Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle from her books and Catholic TV programs. What you may not know about her is how dark her young adult life was and how much pain and struggles she underwent as a young adult and young wife and mother. All of this is detailed in her new book, The Kiss of Jesus. Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle describes her tremendous suffering and abuse and how she came to overcome it all. And I'm very happy to say that Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle joins me now on the program. Donna Marie, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's so good to have you. I, there's so much to your story, I don't even know where to begin, but you know, life full of struggles, bad choices, dysfunctional relationships, poverty, there was abuse, a boyfriend who held you hostage, abusive marriages, alcoholic husbands, multiple miscarriages, and finally, the struggles of being a single mother. And the first thing that I think of, just that long list, I think that's, for a lot of people, that's that's life. And we forget yeah. that. When you describe this part of your life, how how do you describe it now? Um, well, I think maybe in a nutshell, that would be like a crooked path. It was a crooked path that God made straight. Um, uh-huh. You know, God allowed uh, certain things to happen to me and to, to everyone so that, um, for many reasons, but one is so that we turn to Him and right. we ask for His grace and His strength and for courage and for all of our needs. So, yeah, it was a crazy crazy life in a lot of ways, but uh, amid the struggles and challenges, there was also the, the great joy and and even, at times, peace in my heart, knowing that, you know, God was going to take care of me, that God was taking care of me, right. even though, even through the dark shadows. Right, and I love I love how you described that, that it was a crooked path. That's very, very Advent, um, that a crooked path being made straight, and I think God does that a lot. Now, in yeah. reading your, your story, I found exactly the way you described it that i mean it sounds like it was just like when i did the list the whole just bad stuff and bad choices but there are all these throughout moments of you know you kept going to blessed sacrament you kept you were in the church you kept going to bible study group you were prayerful so they were uh, you know you had children and that obviously brought joy to your life um how much of this and i don't even know what the question is exactly but i'm sure that there's i mean we can talk about sinfulness and bad choices as opposed to kind of bad things happening to us. Well, 
uh, I think what I can say is that you know, sometimes in life uh, things happen to us. For instance, being held captive yes. by a crazed uh, fiancé uh, who took away my freedom and who had guns and even a machine gun. And um, other times, you know, uh, getting married and trusting that that vocation was going to unfold in the way that I had hoped and to have children. And yes, God blessed me with the children, but unfortunately my husband didn't embrace, um, you know, his role in being a husband and a father. So those were challenges there. So along the way, you know, in trying to make good choices, um, sometimes, you know, things go a a different way and the path becomes crooked. Right. And in in some of our lives, um, you know, people also make choices that are, that are not of God and that are not following our Lord. And, and in those cases, too, our Lord can bring good out of bad and can straighten that path as well when we when we turn our hearts to Him. Absolutely. That's that's good to remember. Um, you did mention that God was with you all along, and I do get that from reading this story. Can you give us maybe an example of how that was? Because I think at the time you were still obvious that, that you were aware of that, that God was with you throughout all this, this period can you give us an yes. example of how you were aware of that? Well, um, so many different times. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe I'll just uh, give it a very dramatic example of a time when I was being held captive by my ex-fiancé, my yes, fiancé at, at the time. time yeah. yeah, who um, who actually came running into the room and threw himself his head into my lap and forced a pistol into my hand and tried to force my hand my finger into the trigger and and with his with his uh, strength you know pushing against me to try to get me to actually kill him right there on my lap um you know before that it had been threats to my family to murder my family and to murder me if i didn't do what he asked and then one time you know that day he you know, got even crazier maybe uh, by trying to get me to kill him. Yes. Well, I just sat there with tears coming, pouring down my face and crying out to Jesus, and I had never felt so terrorized in my entire life. I just, you know, I was about 18 years old, between 17 and 18 years old, and I was just crying, Jesus, 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 please help me. And and he did, and I knew I knew without a doubt that our Lord helped me because that guy got up and threw the gun against the wall and ran out of the room. Mm-hmm. Well, he came right back, put, picked up the gun, and, and put it in his pocket, and I was still held captive. But I knew that our Lord had saved me from that, that terrible that terrible thing he was trying to do. So that's a, a, a right. dramatic example. Very but much so, yeah. So, so that was just a very hard thing to revisit when I wrote this book, uh, yeah. because it was a reality of my life that, you know, just seems like it was another another life some other time, um, you know, very long ago. But uh, I think it's important to, to share of yes. of our, our own individual, you know, unique stories and, and share the challenges and, and suffering so that we can offer others a dose of hope because uh, everyone is wounded in some way. Everyone, is ha- everyone has troubles and challenges and maybe not as dramatic as, as being held captive with guns, a guy with guns and things, that sort of thing. Yes. But we all have, you know, all kinds of deep pain. And, and if we could share with others how our Lord brought us through and, you know, 
uh, it can really offer hope. Mm -hmm. But there are many times in my life, too, not so dramatic, but just knowing that even though I didn't actually feel our Lord's presence or even, you know, you know, perceive it in any way. I I had to put one foot in front of the other and walk in faith each day, and just knowing, knowing in my heart that He was there, He was going to help me, and He had a plan. He's the divine physician, and even though, um, you know, I might think that it's mm-hmm. going to turn out a different way, uh, or I hope it would, our Lord know knows and knew exactly what would be good for me. And right. I'm not saying He's a, a Lord above that is is hoping for you know, suffering and uh, hoping for us to suffer more than we, we need to. He, he's a Lord that knows what we need to help us to, right. to grow in holiness and to help the, the others that He puts uh, in our midst that we are you know, responsible to minister to. Yeah. So, you know, so there's just so much that He does, and a lot of times we, we don't know of His presence by being able to feel it or to sense it, but we have to trust and to surrender our hearts and to believe that he is there, and he shows us over and over again that he truly is. Amen. Now, maybe uh, I would say almost as dramatic, uh, maybe at the time you didn't realize it, but you had the chance to meet a saint in person, Mother Teresa. Tell us about that encounter. Sure. Thank you for asking about that, because she she was such a spiritual mother and mentor to me, and um, of course I feel I didn't deserve this beautiful blessing of of being introduced to a, a living saint, someone I knew in my heart was was a living saint, even though right now she's considered blessed, yes. and her canonization would will happen at some point. Yes. I have no doubt. But um, through Father John Hardin, a very holy man uh, in his own right, of, of, I thought uh, and still believe was a living saint. He he was very holy, and he was a world renowned theologian. I happened to be his friend, and. Um, and he was my spiritual director as well. And he, in a roundabout way, introduced me to Mother Teresa because uh, she was in town in Washington, D.C., when where he was stationed, and he had told me that um, the sisters have a house for the dying and that we should go over there with our family because we were visiting Father yes. Hardin that, that time. Anyway, so to make a long story short, we, we did visit, and we had a beautiful visit with the sick and suffering there and we saw how beautiful the sisters were in serving uh, God's poor, you know, serving the suffering, and we saw such joy radiating from them. It was very contagious. Mm-hmm. And so they invited us back the following day to a private Mass, and, and it was at that private Mass that I met Mother Teresa, and afterward, um, a beautiful encounter with her and with uh, her with my family. And I thought that that was just so amazing, and I thought nothing could possibly top meeting Mother Teresa and and having that time with her. I, I felt like, she, you know, she, Jesus was truly living in her because it was so obvious how holy she was to stand, you know, with her and to, to speak with her. But but what what happened later on is that um, through no um, fault of my own or no uh, non totally non deserving on my part. God blessed me with this beautiful friendship with Mother Teresa for about 10 years. Yes, because that's incredible. Because it unfolded after that meeting, and we met on several more occasions, about a dozen, and some of them were private, and she would end up she would end up writing me many letters, almost two dozen letters during that time, and also speak with me on the phone uh, from Calcutta while I was in the U.S. So yeah. she really mentored me, she mothered me, she got me through some really tough times, 
And at the time, I had no idea why this was all happening, but I was so thankful mm-hmm. to God. And what turned out um, happening later on, I would mm-hmm. see it unfold, um, you know, the, the reasons behind a lot of it. Now I see that it's so that I can share these beautiful blessings with the world, right. you know, with, the, with God, the, the role that God has unfolded in my life. So now I can just, you know, share this, the, the beauty of that wisdom of Mother Teresa. And so that's such a blessing and a responsibility. Yes, and, and all of that is detailed in, in your book, The Kiss of Jesus. Um, so I, I would like to encourage people to go and, and, and find the book. Um, maybe just one last question to conclude, because as you know, we've begun this year of mercy. Would you say that your story and the story in the book, The Kiss of Jesus, is ultimately a, a, a story of mercy? Yes, that's such a good question, and, and I believe so. That you know, it, It's really like my life was a, a long mercy. You know, Our Lord was so merciful toward me even though things looked grim uh, many times. And I, I think that, I really believe, actually, that we need to be merciful people. We need to frequent the sacraments and go to confession, you know, and, and, and receive those beautiful graces so that we can be merciful to others, because it is when we forgive, you know, we forgive the other who is hurting us in some way or who has hurt us, when we can let go of that pain and give it to our Lord. You know, he, he is so merciful, and amazing things will happen from that, miracles in, in human hearts. And I think it, it's so important to to ask for our Lord's mercy in our own lives and to offer mercy to others, to forgive mm-hmm. and to love and to be merciful. Thank you so much for, for those words and for writing the book and for sharing. I know it's not easy to share a story like that, but uh, thank you for doing so. I know that your story will give... Uh, that that message of hope uh, to a lot of people who might be going through similar situations, and uh, encourage them to to go to the saints as you did, <laughs> yeah. um, so you can discover the beauty of the cross. Donna Marie, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Thank you, and God bless you in your beautiful ministry. Thank you. Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle is the host of EWTN's Everyday Blessings for Catholic Moms and Catholic Moms Cafe. She's a journalist, an award-winning and best-selling author of numerous Catholic books, and also a popular speaker and retreat leader. Her latest book is The Kiss of Jesus. It's published by Ignatius, and you can find out more about that book and about Donna Marie at her website, DonnaCooperOboyle.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Michael Marion, with Museum of Faith. Sunlight crying from windows, falling on paintings, Michelangelo, ceilings looking tired, dying on shoulders of the faithful. They caught the wooden stone Well, you know How his hands toiled And his name Forever gilded gold Painted angels pray For our broken ones On a morning like this one You know 
storm Carnage and chaos Michelangelo's throne Rising transfigured Twisting and turning Ravaging spirit Into shape and form Museum of faith Frozen faces of grace Turn toward God's distant resting place Museum of faith Faded faces of grace Reach for innocence of creation draws the spiral line of delusion and vision revelation fallen angels sweet salvation well you know how his hands toiled and his name forever guilted Angels pray for a broken world On a morning like this one you know On a morning like this one you know On a morning like this one That was Michael Marion with Museum of Faith, another of his uh, new singles. Now, I met Michael Marion about 12 years ago when we were doing a Catholic coffee house in Toronto. He's a talented singer and songwriter who is passionate about his faith. But as you can hear from his music, he's not one, at least in my opinion, that you would describe as a Catholic artist, although he is an artist and he is Catholic. Um, and I'm going to maybe ask him about that in a little bit. Michael has finally, after many years, he's sat down to record some of his songs, and we've been listening to them, and he's also looking to embark on a new adventure. And to tell us more about it, I am now joined live in the studio, Michael Marion. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. Glad to be here. So I was going to, I always start by asking uh, our, our songwriters <laughs> about growing up and their faith and stuff, but I know that Marion is not your real last name. No. You have a stage name. What's up with that? Um, I started uh, being a um, graphic artist and becoming, you know, the internet, the evolution of the yeah. internet. I knew in having kids. Yes. I thought there's no way I'm putting my name up there. Okay. It's a security thing right off the bat. Right. Okay. Why do they need to know? Why right. does Facebook need to know my last name? Okay. Right. No, that's fair. So, but Marion, I guess because of Mary. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are Catholic. Yes, that's the connection. That was part of my uh, journey in, into becoming uh, authentically Catholic. Okay. I was born and I was baptized. And you were born. And, that's and, good. To know. And uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> manifested. Okay. No. Okay. So let me ask you about that. So you you grew up as a Catholic? Yeah, in a, in the suburbs. You know. Yeah. Okay. So that was like. And your home was your parents were was it a Catholic? regular Catholic family or was it sort of nominal my, my Catholic? My mother became more 
a person of faith later on. I mean, yeah. I think she's, you know. Yeah. I guess like lots of people, she struggled with her faith. Right. Okay. And did you as a teenager, as a young adult also struggle with your faith? Uh, only in confusion being <laughs> like most teenagers, in, right? Yeah, it's like, what do you believe? And it's like, okay, that's fair. I didn't meet anybody along the way that imparted upon me that they were a person of faith. Okay. And that it was evident or obvious. Right. So you didn't have that, that experience of no. church in that sense. No mentors didn't come until my teenage years. Oh, okay. So yeah. late, late, teens, I should say. Early twenties, maybe. Yeah, early twenties. Yeah. So then, so what changed? How do we end up? How do we go from that teenager, that early, early young adult, to Michael Marion? That you know, like something happened in there. Yeah, that was. You know, my first two mentors were not Catholic, okay, or Christian, really. One right. came from Indian, uh-huh. one came okay. from Poland, <laughs> and, uh, but they taught me about methods of prayer in a sense and, okay. and uh, introspection meditation uh-huh. and um, so but when I was getting married my one teacher who's I've called agnostic probably sure she thought well if I'm losing you to Catholicism okay because you were getting married in the Catholic Church <laughs> yeah. yeah then have this and she handed me a rosary really which I thought was rather wise Interesting or strange, but <laughs> strange, interesting. I yeah. Thought, well, she wanted me to to be to carry up forward in the meditation. Yeah, but practice. in your in, in your tradition. Yeah, and yeah. in her understanding, the rosary was the best doorway. Right. Interesting. So, so the, she let me go, and she walked me into the rosary. And so, would you say that the rosary then had a big Huge part in okay impact? Yeah. In, in in bringing you back to the faith. Yeah, it got so intense that I was afraid Mary was going to manifest in front of me or angels or something. <laughs> it got so intense that you changed your name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well. <clears throat> yeah. And that's when, you know, Jesus spoke to me. Right. Okay. So I couldn't put Jesus back in the bottle because there he was. That. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, had you been Not writing, that you'd want to. No. Had you been writing music all along? I had since uh, since I was, um, uh, since I started playing guitar. I think the first day I wrote a song. Okay, and were you playing guitar? I like to play a, D. You know? <laughs> a song in D. Yeah. Were you playing, were you, uh, as a kid, you just picked it up or did you to take lessons or how did um, that happen? My yeah, I grew up almost more as a percussionist. My first drum kit was, oh, really? was mason jar lids and pots yeah, and pans. Yeah, really fun. But you couldn't have told me they weren't drums. Yeah, of course. <laughs> cool. The imagination of children I is so I did not profound. know you're a percussionist. So you're well, a that's where it started. And yeah. then, um, and then uh, my brother got the guitar. I got uh-huh. the drums. Yeah. But I didn't play the drums anymore. <laughs> I just grabbed the guitar and then nice. I found home. And you just figured it out on your own i had one of those basic chord books you yeah know? yeah it's funny because i always thought your songs had all these strange chords that you well, obviously made up <laughs> a great point because i found a bookstore in cosmo music in richmond Hill. yeah 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 yes had this guy with a beard uh-huh. and about 50 guitars behind him yes i thought wow this is like a guru of guitar this guy yeah so I, I opened it up and it's these beautiful chords they weren't the typical d g, g standard yeah. forms they were all over the neck. Yes. 
and beautiful open tunings. And yes, uh, that's my other question. Yeah, and uh, I didn't discover till ten years later that it was Andy Garcia. <laughs> no, but that's good because or the Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you were, yeah, um, Jerry Garcia. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Sorry, sorry. Jerry's Andy's his brother. I was just going to say, I'm <laughs> sure Andy's a great guitar player, too. <laughs> Jerry Garcia. Um, so, yeah, I was going to ask you about the open tuning. Yeah, so you're, you're doing all these really interesting chords and stuff. I always love that about you because I was the, uh, the kind of musician that I hate to rehearse. But but with you, it's like you can't just follow you because I had no idea what chords you were playing. It's even harder now because it tuned down a whole time. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's good to stuff. You play a D and you're hitting the wrong chord. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's good. It's good. So when we met, you were doing this whole coffee house thing. Tell me yeah. about that and how that, what was the logic or your hope for the coffee house movement, the Catholic coffee house? Well, um, both of my teachers brought people together. So we said uh-huh. sitting in circles was normal for me, uh-huh. whether it was a, a meditation like a sharing, circle yeah. or a sharing circle, or yeah. a healing circle, whatever. Yeah. And I guess like rosary is kind of people would sit around in circles, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I... And I was on the internet early, uh-huh. like when when people didn't even know, didn't even have an email. It was unusual to have right. an email. We're talking like not a long time ago. Late, early 90s, 90s, 82, you know. Yeah. And um, um, so when I wanted to create a web page for my um, my music, uh-huh. I just thought, so I'm a web page in, the, in, a, in a universe of a million stars. Who cares? Right. And so they come and find me, and then they surf away someplace else. So right. wouldn't it be nice if I was a my I would be in a place that had a collection of artists, right? Like a and community. that just grew yeah. into yeah. a thousand artists. So, so coffee want. house. I mean, we had the physical coffee house, literally a coffee shop where people would come yeah. and have a drink, and li- but then you had this online community that right. was coffee house. Yes, it is. I think it still well, exists the, in some sense. The, right? The point to me was not to get people away from each other looking at screens. Right. But to bring people together because of their screen. Right. So having a venue and a website. And so I would watch people carry on conversations that started on the web or started at the venue back and forth. Interesting. And some of the people I met for the first time, I would say, hi, Pat Kelly, how are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, who are you? I'm Michael Marion. you knew him, yeah. It's, it was a place where everybody knew your name was actually really true, yeah. you know? Interesting, fun. Yeah. Now, what you're doing now with your, this, I've been calling it the new adventure, that you're, you, this journey that you're setting out on, it's kind of a similar idea, but, but you're, you're traveling. Well, I, that's what I had intended all along, okay. was to go out and, and harvest, yeah. you know, people, connections uh-huh. across the country yeah and just to have genuine connections to each place right the thing i didn't like about myspace or facebook is it a million friends and and you can't it's, get a yeah. group together to pray or make no, music it's together because yeah. it's meaningless friends yeah. you know likes yeah. they're likes they're not friends yeah, you know? yeah yeah not to say that that doesn't happen but right so the having the physical connection and at the same time, not requiring the middleman of a record company. Yeah, of course. That really appealed to me. So that was the genesis of, Cath- so, of Coffee House. Right. And it's is it the same idea also with, with the tour? Are you trying to connect with communities, yeah. let's say in Winnipeg? Uh, and shooting a documentary there. while I go, yeah. meeting people, yeah. but also doing church shows. Right. Where I could, you know, people want uh, to hear people singing about their faith experience. Right. 
And will you, so it's like a whole show. I know you're a digital computer kind of person, so you have motion graphics. Motion yeah. graphics. Double screen video. projector. Yeah. So it's not unlike what you would see in churches that have bands yeah. and the whole yeah. experience, the words appearing on screen. Right. And to use my visual skills to to not distract, but to focus. Right, to help people to draw them in yeah. or to give them, I guess, I always like to, to, to give them another level of, of depth, depth, I guess. It's not the just visual. music. Yeah. Not, okay, good. Yeah. And so you're, I, I don't think you have a, a, a sale date yet. You're not. Uh, it's looking sale. January 15th, you know. Oh, good. Well, one of the things when you, you know, read your, your, your daily prayers is all the delays that happen. Uh-huh. And I would get frustrated, uh-huh. uh, maybe a gentle word sometimes, for the delays that were coming because of other people or right. other organizations. And then actually seeing the wisdom mm-hmm. that was being delayed purposefully. Yeah, for a reason, yeah. Because there's something I needed to dig deeper, mm-hmm. prepare stronger. Right. Good. So all these songs, this, these three songs that we're hearing in the program today, and there's other songs, they're all part of this project, if I can call it. Yeah. Your multimedia project. And you're going to be touring, hopefully, across Canada. Yeah. See how far I, you get. I'm actually <clears throat> probably going to call it the Get High Tour. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm just blown away by by the the use of drugs and, uh-huh. and by kids today. Okay. How much it's far more prevalent and normal. Yeah. Kids are smoking at home, you know. Mm-hmm. The parents, parents are, are, yeah. are supporting it, or they're joining them, or or not. I don't know. And part of this is to me is the ultimate get is to write a book at the same time called Get High, and it's about the ultimate high. Interesting, Jesus. And so that I'm not discounting anything or poo-pooing anything, but just really honestly talk about the highs, the different nice. highs. Interesting. I like that. I look forward to that book. That oh, fundamentally the best high, of course, is Absolutely. the cleanest high. Okay, cool. I like that. The, the get, purest. The Get High Tour with Michael Marion. Okay, good. We're going to leave it there before we start getting phone calls of people wanting to get high. Um, He's promoting getting yeah, high. Absolutely. Jesus, Michael, yeah. this has been great. Thank you for coming in, and uh, um, it's good to see you. And always good to see you. Great to see you. You can find out more about Michael Marion and where he's going to be with his Get High Tour um, at michaelmarion.com. And that's, of course, Marion, like Mary, M-A-R-I-A-N, michaelmarion.com. Here now is Michael Marion with one of my favorite of his songs, New York. Head out on the highway with our expectations Unfamiliar faces, love and stranger places Into the night We take flight The border crossing takes us in a new direction We take another chance to make the connection Move inside New York in mind And emotion comes and goes It's just a light casting shadow To feel the hope and glory St. John the Divine In the Upper West Side The music 
Can our voices rise so high and mighty? Candles all aglow, our faces shine so brightly. It's New Year's Eve, and New York's in peace. And emotion comes and goes. It's just a light casting shadows. I open up my heart and face to face the great unknown. Guess it's all in, in letting go. The days grow short, and I attempt to soar. My feelings, but my feelings just work out. I move inside you, and I feel my heart exploding. I touch your breath, I taste the sound, and all the glory. Rushing up my spine and dancing in my mind. Two hearts are running while two souls are burning on fire. As the sun goes in the cradle and the evening night drapes the New York sky, and into love we die. And emotion comes and goes. It's just a light casting shadow. Marianne with his single, New York. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Learn all about Salt and Light at our website, saltandlighttv.org. 
And when you're there, visit our show page, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be.